Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dragon Sword, 11warriors.com. Bo and Johnny recording and taping, doing it live on a Monday. And what a Monday it was as we reflect on a wild weekend. Um, good and bad. Good on the combine front, bad on the basketball front for Ohio State. We got the passing of a, a leg- legendary Ohioan in my book. I mean, he was as important as anybody to me when I was a kid, and that's Luke Perry. We'll get to that. And then um, a crazy story that Cleveland.com had today about about coaches' salaries um, that blew my mind. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But I wanted to start with the news that affects us most, and that is the news that Jim Delaney is out as the Big Ten commissioner after the 2020 season. You knew that this was coming forever. It was rumored and assumed that this was the job for Gene Smith following his time at Ohio State. I don't believe that to be true anymore, not because the Big Ten wouldn't have great interest in Gene, just because I don't. I think maybe the time has passed on that for Gene, and most of these conferences want to find somebody a little bit younger who can find out what the next trend will be in consuming your your sports conference entertainment, and so the, the thinking is that it would be a younger man potentially to be the new commissioner of the Big Ten. But this is a monster one. Jim Delaney is one of the most consequential commissioners in the history of sport. He is, um, I would put him behind uh, maybe Roy Kramer of the SEC, who in the 1990s created the SEC championship game and split the SEC and um, organized that first deal with CBS Sports, which kind of put the SEC in their football, allowed for SEC football to really bloom and blossom in the in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s. I'd put him second only to him. Um, his legacy from an important standpoint is strictly tied to a television network and the BTN. And, and that is it. Um, that is, that is the most, most impactful, one of the most impactful things in the history of, of college sports. Um, it, it lined the pockets of the member schools, the length of which allowed for some of what we saw from a payment standpoint. And we'll talk about a little bit later, um, but, but it also, he also, with all of the good, he also has to go – he also has to – it can't not be said that he also has to hang Rutgers and Maryland around his neck, and especially Rutgers. He is also yeah. responsible for that. Well, I mean, so first of all, I was – I had obviously known he'd been around for a long time. I, I didn't realize that he'd been around quite as long as, you know, his, his career post-mortem indicated, obviously, from the 80s. But, you know – What's interesting to me is that the role of a conference commissioner is you are essentially guiding your conference, not necessarily through these big ups and downs in terms of like giant policy arrangements. You're really you're really negotiating media contracts. Like that's exactly that's, right. that's, that's that's your job. That's what you're doing. That's a job. Yep. And that's a job. And and honestly, it's a big job. Like I'm not trying to discount that. I'm not trying to say that that's not an important job. It's a vastly incredibly important job. But I think it's also wise for Jim Delaney and the Big Ten to acknowledge that, and this is something we've discussed on this podcast before, but the future of college sports and the future of how it's going to be streamed and consumed, I think requires somebody who's more uh, in touch with those types of organizations and those types of yeah. uh, contracts that are going to be written. And again, nothing is Jim Delaney, but you know, that does require a different understanding of what the media market looks like. Now the, the media landscape, it, it's way different. It's way different than it used to be. So, you know, happy trails of that guy. I think it is requiring a different kind of like deft hand at this because it, it's a, it's a whole new ball game now. He, he, the big 10 network launched over 10 years ago. Um, it was, he was smart enough to understand that the, that the money was in the cable buy. He was smart enough to see after 20, 30 years that ESPN was printing money. And the reason that ESPN was printing money and really still is, um, it's not the behemoth it used to be, but it's still, you know, anybody would take it as a business model is, is that it, you were being charged unknowingly to have this channel that you may or may not want. A, a nominal fee and that fee multiplied over the course of millions meant millions of dollars for at that time ESPN and then would soon to be the Big Ten Network. And so in doing so, he launches the Big Ten Network and they were really smart to tie. I want to say the first football game ever on the BTN was an Ohio State game. Lauren Idis's senior year. I want to say that was it. Um, I'm pretty sure it was if memory serves. I know yeah. James was involved in it. We talked about it today on the show. And they basically used Ohio State football as the leverage to get make sure they were on carriers in Ohio. 
<laughs> that yeah. was the whole deal. Like we will, we're, oh yeah. Well, the very first, you know, we're going to put a Buckeye football game on the big 10 network. Well, that. wait a second. Wait, who's who, wait, who, who's supposed to be doing this? Oh, time Warner's the bad guy or wow's the bad guy or direct TV's the bad guy or whatever. So they used Ohio state as the leverage. Um, and this was something that allowed you to print money for many, many years and still does to a varying degree. This also led you to add Rutgers and Maryland. And the reason you do that is for a hope that you would get the New York Metro and the DC Baltimore Metro area um, to subscribe to the Big Ten Network. And the other part about it was, is at that time, those cities, if you if you had a team in those cities, you could high, you could charge a higher rate for the channel than if you did not. So it was a premium rate and it was a ton of population. And they have printed money because of that. As this starts to shift, and this to your point, as this starts to shift to everything streaming, it will take somebody who can see the next wave and right. it will be, take somebody who can view, it'll take somebody that will understand the next media landscape and it, it will be someone who will have to negotiate not with uh, cable carriers, but with internet sources like, or not just internet, but computer streaming sources like Apple and YouTube slash Google. Um, Amazon Prime. The next Big Ten television contract might be with Amazon. It might not be with Fox or CBS. And it'll right. be up to Amazon or Apple TV or U YouTube, which is owned by Google, to decide what that dollar figure looks like. And it's going to be that's going to be the next guy's job to do that. That is why, because of the next step, I have always felt that the Big Ten basically bet way too big on the cable buy and on the immediate and they watered down their product with the addition of one school in Maryland that makes no sense for this league and another one that makes no sense for any league in Rutgers. <laughs> and you did so by watering down your product in your league. And, yeah. and you did it for a cable buy that lasted in, in grand scheme of things about 10 years, eight to 10 years. And the next thing is going to have nothing to do with that. Well, so here's what I would say about that. What, what makes it even more difficult is now you're going to have to try to keep the gang together. You know what I mean? Like when when all these contracts kind of are up or when you have to renew or change things, you're going to have to convince the Ohio States and the Michigan and the world not to go their own way on this and to, yes. to kind of be, to stick part stick as part of the Big Ten and say, okay, I'm willing yeah. to split my revenue that I know that I'm capable of getting with, like you said, with Rutgers and Maryland and Purdue, because that's the tricky part is to make sure that everybody's in it to win it. And we've got this, you know, three musketeers kind of thing where everybody's trying to just help each other out. And if like the money isn't there and they're not going to get the same kind of contracts and you know, the, the rising tide doesn't end up lifting all boats, then I think what you're going to see is you're going to see schools like Ohio state and Michigan go, you know what? Why, why can't we have our own little deal? Here with Hulu or with Amazon sure. or with Netflix, yes, and that's going to be that's going to be the really big challenge, I think, for the next person and who's who's really the Big Ten commissioner is is keeping everybody together and convincing them that they can still make money with the Big Ten rather than on their own. That the that the the sum is greater than the parts. Yeah, and the the reality of that is is that they're not, and that if <laughs> no, they're that not, if, no, they're, you'd be much right. better off if you were Ohio State negotiating your own individual. Uh, deals um, or right. getting together with, let's say you got together with Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Nebraska, Wisconsin, uh, whoever else, S six or seven. Like, you, why are you care? Why are we carrying Illinois around and Northwestern and Rutgers around? I mean, we don't need them. You don't need them to, to negotiate no. the next thing. You don't need them. So you're right. That will be the next guy's job to do that. And I, I think to me, like, it's, as much money and as much as he has lined the pockets, modernized the league, the BTN, all of that was incredibly um, – and to have the foresight to do that was was really incredible and really impactful. But I also think that the negative impact of having Rutgers is, is there as well. And they're a punchline, right, for us. But at the same yeah. time, there's just absolutely no gain other than a proximity to New York City to adding that team to this league. There just isn't. I mean, it's, it doesn't fit the league in any way. It's not honest to the brand. Um, it waters down the sports that make money. Um, I don't even know if they play all the non-revenues. How many How many non-revenues does Rutgers play? I mean, it's, it's a total <laughs> ill fit in every way. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to tell you. I mean, it's and it's it's weird because, you know, I, I don't know what the 
assumption was, you know, that says that this is going to really expand. Maybe, maybe that was a thought. Maybe, maybe Jim Delaney was like, you know, New York City is a place that wants this old time brand of, of Big yeah. Ten college football and college basketball. I don't know why he would think that, but maybe that was the thinking. Um, I just think yeah, he wanted it, the table by. He wanted yeah, that and that's, New York high-priced cable. Right, and like you said earlier, though, like it's just not sustainable. and That's the biggest no. problem. And it's, it's not, you know, and this, again, is a problem for the next guy up. But, you know, that's why I think he, again, it, thank you for the contributions to the, the conference, sir, but this is why we need to have someone else who's willing to navigate this landscape because it's tricky. It's really difficult, and some of the things that you've set up simply aren't going to work in the next 10 to 15 years. And, you know, the way people have watched any kind of event, sporting event, you know, they're the big shows that we talk about, you know, when we get to Game of Thrones and whatnot, it's completely fractured. And it's not, you're going to have to figure out a way to make, <laughs> and that's the problem because the demands are going to be, let's make the same amount of money without this behemoth leaning on people, forcing them to give them that money. And it's, it, yeah, it's not going to happen. And, and the next guy is, man, I, I do not envy the role of the person who steps in and has to like explain to all these other people in the big 10 that, Oh yeah, we're not going to make as much money as we did. And that's just a fact of life because people are going to be furious. I don't know that they won't, it, they might, I mean, some might make more um, because we don't know what, what, how, how we don't know how motivated Amazon or Apple or YouTube or some thing that I, that we don't even know exists yet. We don't know how motivated yeah. they are to carry college sports. We know this. We know that Ohio State football is going to, is going to demand the attention of people around the country. That we know. Um, so I, I I don't. It might be more. It, it might be more in some cases for some schools. Um, but you're not just going to. It's not going to be this easy ever again, where you just you create a network and you just throw it on. And despite the fact that absolutely, relatively speaking, nobody watches it. Nobody watches <laughs> BTN except for the games. Right. Nothing. Zero. I mean, we used to do. I know this for a fact. There, what was their big game? It was either or their big show when I was at Channel Ten in, in like 2014, 15. My last couple of years at Channel Ten, the biggest show on BTN. It was either the Friday tailgate show or it was the Monday morning quarterback football show. I'm talking about non games. Sure, right? We did five and six times as many viewers on wall to wall sports in Columbus, Ohio, Man. than they did on that, and it was their biggest show. And we were <laughs> that much bigger on wall-to-wall sports in Columbus, Ohio. Well, there you that, go. And that tells you how little, how few people are watching their non-games. That's right. the deal. But yet, that's how backwards cable buy is. They printed money all those years because it didn't matter. It didn't matter that nobody was watching it. It was on. <laughs> it existed. <laughs> right. well, that's, you paid for something you point. weren't even aware that existed. That will never yeah. happen again. Right. And that's exactly right. And that's, and that's the thing, like you're losing this, you know, the way this had been set up for years, you just yeah. don't have, it's not there anymore. And you've got to figure out a way to make money regardless. And that's, you know, and like you said, maybe, maybe they will find a really, you know, excited buyer and you'll be able to, to put up those numbers. I just don't see them entering in these gigantic insane contracts that they were able to establish that last for years and years and years and yeah. millions. Of I, I just, because it's so, it changes so quickly you know, if you have a streaming service, like, yeah, we'll get, we'll pay you a bank for a year or two, but then after exactly. that, we don't know what it's going to look like. And that's, that's but exactly that's the problem right. because then the big Ten's like, well, how do we plan for anything? How do we, you know, sustain this stuff? And the smaller academic, you know, athletic departments who kind of rely on that financial security are really going to be sweating. I say it'll be fine. But again, going back to those smaller, you know, athletic departments, they're, they're going to really be sweating the next like five to 10 years. Yes. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and I think you're right on the on the short term stuff. There's not right. gonna be no twelve year deal with no. Fox. I mean oh, it's no. gonna be a two, it's gonna be a two year deal with Amazon and yeah. we'll see how you do. Uh or we'll pay you the other thing is or we will pay you for exactly what we want. We're not gonna buy yeah. all this other junk. We're not going to care about all this stuff that everyone else has been paying for. We don't have all these studio shows. You don't um, see so, Purdue in uh, Minnesota and lacrosse. That's not going to be no, time blue material. No, we don't That's want it. Uh, so we're not going to take your garbage. We'll we'll pay you for your big stuff. We'll pay you big money for your big stuff, and then that'll be a conversation. Ohio State, Michigan, and the rest will have to decide: Do we want to share this big stuff with everybody just because we're being charitable? 
Right. So that you're right. The job that he leaves behind will be one with great. It will be one that a lot of people will want, but will come with great challenges, challenges that Jim Delaney never had to face. Um, speaking of challenges, NFL combine over the weekend, uh, Dwayne Haskins was so accurate. He was great. But if, if I think of the thing from an Ohio state perspective that steals the show, it is the speed agility and ability, frankly, of the Ohio state receivers, the three receivers who ran, um, Paris and Terry McLaurin, both in the four threes, Paris, four, three, one Paris tracked the ball. Great. He may have played himself into being a first round pick. I'll get to Kendall Sheffield and why defensive backs have to do bench press in a second but um oh god <laughs> from a receiver standpoint when you see those guys test the way they test you it, it's it's almost like boy we there should have been even more <laughs> you know like, <laughs> they had this one great season you know with Dwayne, and thank god you had the one and we had so many guys that had to spread the ball out too but it's almost like maybe there should have been uh maybe their career should have been even more decorated uh, than they were because that that much speed is hard to wrap your head around. Oh, it's it, it was you know it was a validation. I think a lot of these guys who spent a number of seasons just you know with no real direction, not great coaching, and then oh yeah, they're actually like some of the best athletes in the entire country, and they should be recognized as such. And yep. I'm glad that they were able to ball out on that kind of stage because a lot of those guys deserve to be seen in that way. And, you know, you got to like Paris Campbell, which I know that Ohio State fans have been singing praises for, you know, for years now. Uh, I think he's definitely an under the radar guy. And a lot of people didn't expect that. A lot of people, I think a lot of Ohio State fans would see that and go like, there's no way Paris Campbell's underrated. Yeah, nationally is, but not now because he went out and had an insane combine. And it just goes to show the athleticism, everything about it is just, it, it's fun to watch. And again, I'm not a huge combine guy in general. But this is the reason why people watch the combine, and it, it's it, it was a lot of fun. It was really cool. It was. I was over there. Um, I did shows over there. I was there Tuesday to Friday. Um, it was it's it was amazing talking to the NFL, um, and as as we dealt with like Urban's legacy and all of that. And I, you know, I I think one of the things I've said on this show and on on the radio show is. Um, to me, the biggest impact Urban Meyer had at Ohio State is the NFLization of Ohio State. That oh, yeah. um, he he recruited kids who could get to the league. They developed them to play in the league, and then they coached them so that when they got to the league, they were good. Um, because the, I'm going to tell you some talking to scouts, talking to NFL, you know, draft guys, people who know personnel, the amount of respect that Ohio State football players have around the league, rightfully so, is better than any other school. Better right. than any other school. I mean, they people trust. Ohio State's players. They trust their speed. They trust their agility. They trust the coaching. They trust that when they get to the league, they're ready to go um, more than any other school in the country. They, they're number one, and it's not close. Um, and they, people raved about the way that, that kids are prepared at Ohio State for the league. People in the NFL did. It was stunning. Um, it was appropriate. I mean, it's, it's not like I was shocked by it, but it was still cool to hear that the way that the league views Ohio State football players. And given the well, benefit and a lot of, the of these doubt, guys. You know, you know the professionalism that a lot of these dudes bring. I mean, just even as college guys, like you know that they're going to be able to make that transition really well because they're they're smart dudes. They've basically prepared themselves in a pseudo NFL program for the past several years. So yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna do what they need to do, especially when it comes between you know what's between the ears. I, you know, it's just strange to me sometimes about how players are perceived athletically and the surprise sometimes that is shown when they show that they're athletic, even despite having already done that, like a guy like Paris yeah. Campbell, if you're like, wow, this guy's fast. I'm like, have you watched any of his film? Like at all? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's all we know. Like I think that was with him, the number one thing. With, with him, it's like, I, I think sometimes with Paris, it was like, we've, we've, he's been around forever. Sure. And he's been the next guy forever. I remember doing this podcast with you like three years ago, and I'm I like I think he's gonna blow up this year. Yeah, um, right. and he he never had like that hundred catch because they spread the ball out. And because frankly, up until this year, he didn't really have a quarterback um, that was you know <laughs> too much of a threat throwing the football. Not like right. not like Dwayne was not to take care no. of his skill set. Um, so it was. You're right. Like for those of us that watch him, like he's blaze fast. Like we, you know, we get it for sure. Um, but we, it was like we waited on his career forever, and and then it 
you know, it, it, it's one of the, it's here it is, it's coming, it's gone. Okay. Here's a perfect example. If you were to tell me, if you were to ask me, Bo, what type, how many catches do you think Paris had this year and how many yards? I would not have had these numbers. Have you looked at his numbers recently? Do you know, do you know off the top of your head what he did this year? Oh God. I would say probably around, I would say probably around 65 catches and maybe like 900 yards. Okay, so that's where I would have been. I would have had yeah, okay. seven, eight, eight, nine hundred yards. I would have been right about where you are. Ninety catches, a thousand yards. Jeez, and that's the thing. And it's that's the widest ninety and a thousand, yeah. and twelve touchdowns. Yeah, like, which is it's crazy. Ninety and a thousand that you can recall. Right, that's nuts. It's nuts, and 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 yeah. really, like that's that's the problem. Like sometimes we do get enamored by certain things and forget, you know, how unbelievably awesome. You know, the guy can be, and I don't know. I mean, the other thing is, is that I love the fact that you have so many Ohio state players and now a lot of them that have played themselves into a pretty, or I guess practice themselves or exercise themselves into a really good draftable position. Uh, I just love watching a ton of Ohio state players on NFL teams. I love the fact that like, you know, the, the new Jer- <laughs> the new Orleans saints are basically, you know, the, yeah. the Buckeyes Buc- South, South essentially at this point. <laughs> I love that. I think that's incredible. And I want to see yeah. more of that. So I, I, you know, the more Buckeyes in the NFL, the, the more fun it is for me. Cause I'm a Bengals fan and, and God knows I need to have some kind of joy in my you life. So to root for, yeah. yeah. I, by the way, I never would have had, I wouldn't have had this for Terry McLaurin. I would have had the number of receptions around 35, which is what he had. 35. Yeah, he had 700 yards and he averaged 20 <laughs> yards a catch and he had 11 touchdowns. Yeah. That's Devin. I mean, Smith like, was the I mean, that's what you, nobody would say that. Nobody, Nobody would I wouldn't that. have. I mean, I watch every game. You and I, we I talk about it for a living. I wouldn't have had those stats. Right. But I guess I the quarterback either. throws for five thousand. Somebody has to. Um. So those guys made a lot of money. Those receivers made a lot of money. Um. I didn't. In, in terms of the Buckeye players, um, nothing changed with Dwayne. I mean, I think Kyler Murray's going to go number one overall because Cliff Kingsbury really likes him, and that's the way it is. But but most people I talked to, uh, really felt like Dwayne was the best of the quarterbacks, which is what I think. Um, and he's not going to last past six to the Giants. I mean, he'll be he'll be somewhere in no. there. Nick Bosa is going to go somewhere between Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins. Somewhere between he'll probably go second unless somebody trades up to take Dwayne. Um, but he didn't do anything or hurt or not. I thought the guy who really could have helped himself was Kendall Sheffield, who blew his peck two years in a row uh, oh, for a Buckeye God. player blowing out their peck doing a stupid bench press. I don't understand what a cornerback's doing a bench press. I'll never understand think- what the point of that is. I have a huge rant on them doing the bench press. And what's the, the point? It's it not there. Not only is there no point, I don't know who the hell is coaching that. Look, okay, I'm I'm not going to come out here and pretend that I'm Mickey Marathi. I'm not going to come out and pretend that I'm this incredibly knowledgeable dude. I know how to bench press. I'm pretty good yeah. at it, at least in terms of form and technique and things like that. Okay. I watched. So I think I can't remember the guy. It was Alexander something. I can't remember. It was the running back who benched like 34. Uh, reps which is incredible and that, that's i'm not i'm not going to hate on that accomplishment that's an incredibly difficult thing to do it means you're really really strong i can't do it uh but if you know anything about the technique of bench press i don't know how more dudes aren't tearing their pecs and you know like throwing their shoulder out of sock and all this other stuff because they're just heaving it up there and they've got some guy just screaming at them and like slapping right. their stomachs i'm like what is, what purpose does this serve this is like the ultimate like carny sideshow that has nothing to do with it. like if you're gonna get anything exactly out of measurables, which is debatable it's ridiculous that they would have them do this i, I get it if you're an offensive lineman or something uh, or even a defensive lineman but having a wide receiver it's like it's you know it's like having kevin Johnny, durant do it to it's your ridiculous. point they do this it was right near radio row where i was set up so i watched these kids i watched terry mclaurin do it he in fact went right in front of dk metcalf yeah he, went, he was the guy right in front of metcalf so they do it in front of, I would say, between 700 and 1,000 people that are in stands. <laughs> and there's a bench press set up in the middle of all these people. It's the it's only thing that like fans can go to. So like fans are cheering. And so there's this pressure on these kids to like max out. And that's why this stuff's happening. It's just the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Like, yeah. I mean, they're just heaving it off their chest. Corner. Their elbows are going everywhere. It. it you know, nothing's right about their technique. And they're, of course, they're going to get injured because they've got, like you said, they got people screaming at them. It, I, I just hate it. I hate to see someone get injured off of something that has nothing to do with their ability to play their position. Um, yeah. It's just, it's dumb as hell. So, and I just wish they would, I wish more people would opt out of it because it's ridiculous. 
It is ridiculous. Um, the other thing that happened, a couple other things that happened over the weekend of significance, and that is Buckeye basketball at Purdue. Um, we get the news late on Friday that Caleb Wesson has been suspended. Um, it's suspended indefinitely. Holtman has an availability on Friday to chat about it. Um, you know, it's it, from a on the court standpoint, it's going to be a disaster. It was going to be a disaster playing Purdue anyway at Purdue. Like they're the right. antidote for whatever <laughs> we are when we're at our best. They're the antidote for that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's a, just a terrible matchup. They got a dominant guard and they just, they shoot it well. Like they're just, they're everything we, we aren't, they are. Um, so without Wesson, you knew that there was no chance and, and boy, did that shine through there sure as hell wasn't any chance. They get absolutely routed in the game. Holtman, uh, to his credit on the coaches show tonight said he put a lot of it on himself. He said, I shouldn't have started three freshmen in that game. They weren't ready for anything like that. It, it was just, it ate them alive. Um, yeah. so I was awesome that he acknowledged that he continues to, to hit everything out of the park when he talks publicly, um, the way he carries himself. Um, he also said that there will be more on Caleb tomorrow, which is when this will drop. So Tuesday, there will be more on Caleb. Um, they play Northwestern on Wednesday and then home to Wisconsin to close it out um, on on Sunday. We are eight and ten in the league. Um, yeah, have been comfortably in in all of the bracketology, um, but I see slip to a ten line today with Lenardi for whatever that is worth. Um, I do think that if Wesson doesn't play and you lose to Northwestern and to Wisconsin, and I believe that you'd lose both of those games without Caleb Wesson, um, if that if the, if that happened, uh, 8 and 12 with just one win against the AP top 25 would be a real struggle to try to yeah. talk yourself into. Um, I, so I think I, they I, get that's what you're dealing with. Yeah, I still think they get Northwestern. I I mean Man, what's Without going Caleb? on? Like you, thank well, n- not just that, but thank God that you get a situation with Iowa where it just the most un unlike. I that was the most ridiculous performance. I'm still trying to pr- process it in my head how yeah. that is what happens and and what you see with this amazing offensive explosion. And then you get a guy that comes out of nowhere and shoots the light out. You know, the lights out so of the that, arena. Arns provides everything that you've missed. Yeah. He does. Yeah, he's consistently shoot, <laughs> right? Right. But they but, didn't travel to Purdue, but it was nice for a night. Yeah, but I, I was like looking at this, and I think before I, I did the, I was looking at some of the stats. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he, before the Maryland game, which he shot decently as well, I think he was like six for twenty-two from from three, or maybe even worse than that, maybe like four for for twenty-two, something ridiculous. I'm in four for 26, but the point is the dude was not like, this is just a fluke thing. You can't rely on that. And it's amazing that, yeah, they go out and win against Northwestern. That one game is probably what sent you to the NCAA tournament. And it's just not something you can rely on at all. Uh, so I just, I just think that was kind of ridiculous. Cause I don't, I think they'll be Northwestern and they get housed against Wisconsin. If, if, if Wesson's not there, I, I wouldn't pick him to win either one. If no, no. Well, yeah, Wesson's gone, then forget it. You have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. And then you have to so. say to yourself, uh, you know, are you going to get in? Because I'm with you. Iowa's what they needed. They got it. And now you're in. But now all of a sudden, hammered at Purdue. And then the question becomes, how important is it for Holtman to make the tournament in year two? And the reason I ask that is because they are exactly who I thought they were. You remember when you and I, we set out, all right, what are the expectations? Let's judge this team based on expectations. The expectations were very simple. They were be a bubble team, bubble in, bubble out. I wasn't going to hold it against him if he didn't make it. I wasn't going to praise him too much if they didn't. Um, You know, it was bubble in, bubble out. You know, that was the expectations. Well, that's what they are. They've been bubble in all year. They've been comfortably in most of the year, but bubble in the last month. Um, And so then the question is, how important is it for Holtman that they make the tournament? Um, I don't think it is, but I think it is to him. I think you could oh, be the I MVP. Think, I, mean, fine, but I think for Holt, like, I don't, oh, I think he desperately wants to, I think he wants to, it's one of those things for coaches where it's like, we make the tournament every year. That's what we do. Here. Yeah. Like right. he doesn't, you don't want to slip into being some, some program that, that slips out of the tournament. And I, I think it's pretty critical to him. Yeah, no, I think, I think he wants it badly. You, you watch the, I mean, <laughs> 
the guy has been coaching his ass off. Yeah, and again, man. it's not he's great. You know, he, he doesn't have a lot to play with, but the dude clearly wants it badly. And I respect the hell out of that. I'm glad he's not like packing it in and saying, All right, well, let's see what we can get for next season. Because I think for one, he recognizes that a lot of what he does is about momentum and being able to say, like, yeah, yeah we've made the NCAA tournament X amount of years in a row or something like that. You get bounced the first round, at least you made the tournament. Uh, and I also think I think the pride thing. I think he wants to be able to prove that he can take a team that is obviously incomplete and still take it to the NCAA tournament. And there's nothing wrong with that. That that's what is a good coach. You know, that's what a good coach mentality should be, where you want to be able to prove that you can win and get the players in the best position to do that, even if you don't have the best players. So, yeah, I I think he's really just doing it at this point. You know, kind of a pride thing, and also because he understands the you know the way it'll look in the future where you can sell that to other players and other recruits. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's far more critical to him than it is to me. It wouldn't make much difference to me if they're a yeah, 10 seed and lose in the first round or if they make the NIT and get to the NIT final four, like I, you know, it doesn't make much difference to me. To me, that's a very similar program, but I do understand the significance of saying we make the tournament every year and selling that to recruits. And I think sure. that's, what's motivating him. I think they need, uh, and maybe this is the news tomorrow. More on that tomorrow with Holtman saying that tonight on his coach's show on the fan. Like more on that tomorrow. Maybe Caleb's coming back sooner than was initially planned. We'll see. I mean, that's just kind of guesswork on that that, that front. Uh, the last right. thing I want to get to um, here in the here here out of the jump off the, is is this idea of Cleveland.com published this this morning, and it was all of the coaches in Ohio who make more than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year in salary. And there was how many is there? Fifty of them or something like that. There's a lot of them that do. <laughs> Most are represented uh, and employed at Ohio State University. Um, the big money ones, you know all too well. It, it shocked me that Holtman made more than Urban um, in his first year, which I think some of that's buyout because I think they had to pay his buyout at Butler. Um, yeah, right. So right. they pay that back to him, and then he buys out Butler's the way that that works. Nevertheless, though, Holtman made more money than Urban Meyer did last year, which is absolutely crazy. I could make a, a very straight case, easy case, that Urban Meyer was grossly underpaid for his contribution and what, what his program meant financially for Ohio State. And if you're looking for an example of that, I'm about to give that to you in the form of all of the other coaches at Ohio State who make a lot of money. Um, <laughs> and Because one thing we talk about a lot, when we talk about the pay for play with college athletes and you'll hear this example all the time. And we've, I've said it uh, on this show and on, on the radio show. And that is, you'll, you'll say something, here's somebody say something like, including yours truly, God, they got a strength coach making 700 grand. They got D coordinators making a million. They got offensive coordinators making a million. Like they, they have so much money. They don't know where to spend it. And while yeah. all of that is true, at least those instances that I'm giving you examples of are people who directly contribute to sports that to a sport which is gro which is incredibly profitable, that makes money hand over fist, that is singularly responsible along with men's basketball with the for the television revenue that is generated to the box office which is generated that pays for all these other sports. Even at a place like Ohio State, the only sport that makes money are those two. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Now that's maybe it. that's changed with the amount of Tom Ryan wrestling would be interesting to do to do a study on. Um because they have I don't know what their ticket situation is, but they've had some of the crowds they've had for duels have been pretty crazy. Oh, nuts. Yeah. So I don't and same thing with men's hockey, but hockey's a really expensive sport. Um but wrestling expense should be next to nothing. So wrestling, Tom Ryan may make money at wrestling. I, I don't know that or not, but forever it's men's basketball and football. And so I'm looking at this thing and I'm seeing that arbitrarily Ohio State is paying. And I'm not going to mention the guy's name because it's not his fault. Good for him for making the money. That's what the, <laughs> that is what the market bears. And that is what I, you never take down. If someone wants to pay you a lot of money, you take it, folks. Take that right. damn money. But the fact that the guy who coaches or the coach of women's rowing at Ohio State is a $360,000 salary. Johnny, well, I can't I don't understand. I don't understand that in yeah. any way. It's not just that though. I mean, you're looking at that list and it's like Kent State has five coaches above $250,000 like I mean, it's 
you know, I understand, like, you get your money, you got to get paid, but people acting like the money isn't there, it's definitely there for players if they want to find some kind of compensation. Like, if Kent State, of all places, can pay five separate coaches, $250,000 or more, you can can figure it out. It can be done. Like, it's not not impossible. Ohio State must have – if you if you go to assistant coaches, Ohio State must have twenty five coaches making more than twenty two. Oh yeah, guys, absolutely, or thirty. Um, right. I mean, all the football guys. So I mean, you you it's it's but this some of these are so crazy to me. Um, you know, women's uh, women's golf was over two hundred and fifty. Um, women's volleyball. I mean, none of this. This is all incredible at an incredible loss financially for the school, and they just arbitrarily decide to pay this kind of money um probably the best example and he's a really nice guy is kevin mcguff at women's basketball who makes 1.2 million dollars 1.2 million yeah one and he was not he was not delivered on a lot of the things no no he's not he has not delivered he had kelsey mitchell for four years i don't think they ever got to an elite eight um they're not packing the shot why are you paying him that because what the market bears? Well, you're setting the market. That's it. No, but that's it. It's because you're you know, setting the market. Because they have set a market price, and that's what they have to pay. And you know, and you can't go back on it. Like if you expect somebody to come in and win and be more successful than McGuff, then you got to pay them more. You have a choice now. Yeah, but it doesn't make any sense. In no, no other business stupid. would this be the case. <laughs> it's really dumb. There's not another business in the world. And let's use the example of the women's rowing. I mean, I cannot imagine what that sport costs Ohio State. <laughs> From the boathouse to the boats to whatever it right. takes to commandeer a river to the scholarships to the maintenance. I, I, I can't even imagine what that sport costs. I wanna know I wanna know who sets the price point on women's on, on like rowing in general. Like who who comes in Harvard? and says this is what I will accept and not a penny Somebody less. Said to me, they, they, they said, Oh, I think we won a national championship in that. I said, so <laughs> Who's doing it? I mean, is there like, is that you're, so you're the best of 10 schools? It's you, Harvard, Yale, and who else? Penn? Well, it's the same thing, it's the same thing with uh, synchronized swimming. And again, I'm not hating on this. I love the fact that we can say, like, yeah, we got one of the most synchronized swimming programs. They have a tournament with six teams every year. That's that's pretty much how they do it. And then right, they win it. Right. So it's great. Like, so, I'm proud. Good for you. It's great. But who decides to pay somebody that? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And there's no other you know, business, Johnny, where you could make that much money. And have absolute have no promise of return financially. <laughs> None. Yeah, that's crazy. These are state schools, buddy. Hey, These are all public I mean, schools. And, and, and well, no, and, and that's and that is a fair point. And I'm not going to brush that off because that is an incredibly actually relevant point. And people get upset about you know fiscal waste and all this other stuff. Well, <laughs> state schools that are partially taxpayer funded are are throwing money at things that you know maybe people don't really. Uh, see the benefit from or see you know the actual like you know results in terms of like things that give you national exposure or help your school in general it's just it's silly and it's college sports and unfortunately i think that's again once that price point is set you don't go back from it you can't go down and it sucks but that's unfortunately the way it works i mean i think it'll all it will all come down when the money stops or when the money well, right. We, I mean, right. And we talked about this earlier. Obviously, you know, if if you don't have the money, you can't pay the money. But as long as people can, you know, keep getting those eggs from the golden goose, then they're going to keep doing it. They're, you know, it's as long as Ohio that, State football is around, there's going to be a lot well, of money. Right. Exactly. You spread it to somebody other than the players. Exactly. So I mean, that's and that's, that's unfortunate because the players do deserve to have you know a piece of that pie, and they're not getting it right now. At least not in that sense. No, they have to get it from. They have to use what they cultivated at Ohio state to have somebody in the private sector compensate them in that way. Right. Right. I mean, like you look at it, look at the best example and he's still bouncing around the league right now, but I mean, you think what was Braxton Miller worth to Ohio state? Oh God. <laughs> Tens, Tens of millions. millions. Yeah. Right. Easily. Right? And they gave him a platform, but he got hurt. And then he went to the NFL and he's bounced around, but he's not Braxton Miller is, is likely not, going to see he might have a couple more years in the league but eventually it's not going to be there he's not making three hundred sixty thousand dollars a year right you know no no and he's a he's the a big example right but there's a lot of these guys what was cardale jones's three starts worth to Ohio State? <laughs> 
You, you don't know? even have to guess at that. You can just look at the actual numbers from the, the three games and, and see what Ohio State split was. You know, never mind all the other accolades and everything else. That they That's get. right. Your financial right. dollars, it's right there. Right. Which is ridiculous. And a women's rowing coach makes 360 grand. Right. <laughs> Poofta. Be sure to visit 11 Warriors Dry Goods for shirts, hats, stickers, and more. Dry Goods at 11warriors.com. And don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Are you old enough to uh, – are you what is are you of an age where your appreciation of Luke Perry is what? I'm my appreciative Luke. My appreciation of Luke Perry is of him as a a guy who would play bit parts on shows that I occasionally enjoyed. He had a really good uh, cameo on The Simpsons, but it was mostly re- re- regulated to my um, my babysitters watching, you know, nine hundred two one zero and things like that. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm a little, I'm a little too young. I'm a little too young. Yeah. The ten years. Um, I know the name. Different. I know the name, and he's a, he's a, obviously a really important actor, and it's it's a shame that he's gone. Yeah, d- died today at fifty-two for a massive stroke. Mansfield born, I think, Fredericktown, Fredericks, Fredericktown raised. Sounds about right. Right. I mean, I said the first part emphatically. I'm not so sure on the second. Um, <laughs> he was, but also very politically active. I know he worked with Sher- uh, Sherrod Brown um, yep. on on some of his campaigns, and yes, he did. always. You would see him when he was uh, in the early 90s. When he he was, without question, if you were of a certain age, one of the most influential um, male actors for boys growing up in the early 90s, late 80s and early 90s that you could ever find. Yeah. Um, I, I can't tell you how big that show was other than the fact that I saw Ramsey tweet this earlier and I was the same way, that it basically influenced an entire generation of men to have sideburns. I mean, that's how <laughs> it was the coolest SOB ever. I did not know that I did not grow up at the time. I wasn't from Ohio, so I didn't know that he was an Ohioan. I cannot imagine if you had that piece of information, how cool he would have been if you were my age growing up in Ohio. Hell like, yeah, man. It'd be unbelievable. Like one of the coolest guys on the planet <clears throat> was an Ohioan. Um, so that it was, it was, he was just so consequential and you would see him. Oftentimes in California, you'd see him in an Indian's hat or a Brown's hat um, that there was he never really forgot where he came from and was such a monster. That show was so influential and he was the coolest dude there was, man. I mean, he had a Porsche, uh, a little Porsche uh, Roadster that he drove around in the show. It was just incredible Um, and gone at 52. So we lost a good one and we lost a sturdy son of Ohio uh, for yeah, man. And you yeah. know what? He always he always seemed like a real like solid guy, and seemed like you know obviously I'm a little bit young to to get into you know what he really like his big you know moment, but um you know I always enjoyed him and other stuff that he was in. The other thing that I want to say, Ohio's got a pretty good you know I was looking through this while we were talking about this. Ohio's got a pretty good roster of actors that they can call on and and call oh you know their God. own. I mean it's. <laughs> We got Paul Newman, man. We well, got Paul Newman. Paul Newman overshines everybody. Paul Newman. Paul yeah, Newman is like the, the king of Hollywood. He's the time. greatest human being who's ever lived. I Paul yes. Newman's literally like one of my heroes. Um, yes, but he's on the Ohio Mount Rushmore. Like he's he's oh, a he's, monster. Yes, he's yeah. he's George Washington. Right. Not only not only just like you know this incredibly handsome, amazing you know like suave guy, but just his his work as a human being. He's just one the of the greatest stuff. people incredible. you can possibly imagine. Um, yes. but Clark Gable, Clark Gable is from I didn't know Ohio, he him. That's yeah, a good job. which is I think crazy. Woody Harrelson grew up. Most of his childhood was in Ohio. Uh, yeah, Dean uh, Martin is from Ohio. Steubenville. That. I thought was that. Crazy. Yep. Dave Chappelle obviously, you know, had a big of part of his life in, uh, in Ohio. J.K. Simmons, you know, win the Oscars yep. from Ohio. Well, he's, he was born in Michigan, but he came to Ohio. Bob Hope grew up in Ohio, which I think is awesome. Um, you know, That's Fred Willard, like there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of people that Ohio can claim yeah. actresses. I mean, you've got like, you know, Carrie Coon's kind of a, a newer up and coming actress, but she was like in, you know, the Fargo TV show. And uh, she was actually Beverly D'Angelo. Yeah. Beverly D'Angelo. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot, Catherine Hahn, Sarah Jessica Parker. There's some pretty Doris day for, you know, the older crowd there. There's a lot of really good actors from the state. So I, you know, I'm yeah. Luke Perry, obviously, you know, part of that pantheon and, and, you know, he's going to be missed, but that's cool. It's it's cool that you've got that roster, that lineup. Yeah, we've done well. It turns out we produce a lot of good stuff. 
really in yeah. general. Like over our history holds up pretty good for our podcast. That's not bad. Pretty consequential for the amount of people who live. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. A lot of presidents, maybe not of all of them, were the best, but, uh, but we've got a lot of <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, those are all winners, but you know. Yeah, the, <laughs> um, that's right. All right, buddy, it's time for uh, for ask us anything. What do you have for us today? All right. Well, if you guys would like to ask us anything, please continue doing so to uh, uh, dubcast at elevenwarriors.com or at eleven dubcast on twitter uh so this is uh this is from sun card sun card asked a couple questions over the past few weeks uh he he also wants to add that he's a 34 year old high school math teacher so that's we, we need to have a showdown like maybe your arm wrestling match or something like that uh <laughs> since i'm a 34 year old high school social studies teacher um this is a very philosophical question from sun card he uh just wants to know what need does football serve for us uh it's an escape yeah it's uh it's an escape it's a there's a brotherhood to it there's a i think there's a sense of community to it um i think in i think in ohio it's part of the heartbeat of the state that Mm -hmm. starts on a friday afternoon and bleeds into a saturday and concludes on a sunday and and it's something that that brings you together no matter your differences in anything else i think football is incredibly consequential in the state of ohio and um, so I, I, I think I, I, I just see all the positives of it. Um, uh, but that's what jumps out to me most. I think football, and I'll, let's stick with the Ohio ideal because I think that's a really good way to frame it. Um, I think Ohio for Ohio, or football for Ohioans kind of provides a narrative in a way, like it's something that we can kind of like structure our falls around and say like, well, you know, my car broke down, you know, the Purdue game. And then like, you know, I asked my wife to marry me right before the Michigan. Like it, it, it provides a structure to our lives. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's really our, our, you know, our default calendar that we kind of fall back on. And it just is a way to kind of structure our lives around in a lot of ways. And it, yeah, I mean, there's the whole hoary stuff about like, oh yeah, it's, it's about the gridiron and the gladiators, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know what? <laughs> my high school football team was one of the sorriest things you've ever seen in your entire life. They were just the tiniest Catholic guys just running around getting destroyed on a regular basis in, in Miami league. I still went to games. I still watched that. Not because it's a I, community. Like, yeah. It's yeah. a community thing. It's not because I was like, Oh man, you got to see this, you know, these legendary gladiators. It's, it's because there are people there and it was like, okay, well it's the weekend and it's the end of this is part of my life. And it, I just think it's something we struggle lives around. And I, I think that's a big part of it. And that also shows how ingrained it is into our consciousness in general. And that, that's why it's so hard to get rid of. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think it's damn bad, but you know, yeah, so. I, I think also like it's um, it, it makes total sense that the sport was birthed here. Like it fits yeah. our DNA very yes. much. Um, and I think, you know, to specifically to Buckeye football, Buckeye football is the tie that binds. It's you can be somebody of incredible means or somebody of no means, and the common ground is Ohio State football. Um, yeah. No matter no matter what happened to you during the week, um, you could always say, "Well, yeah, but we have Buckeye football." I mean, right. if you many how many times that you and now that I, I never this had never happened to me when I told people I was from Montana. This it, my wife brings this up to me all the time when people ask me, and she says, "I'll say." Um, people say where'd you go up and i say montana and the the answer almost always is wow that's got to be beautiful amazing blah 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 blah. (laughs) they've never been to montana but the perception is hollywood right of what montana is when we go on vacation and somebody and we say you know that that we live in the cleveland area or we lived in the columbus area we live in ohio like i've had people say i'm sorry (laughs) like i've had people say that it's like such a rude comment like and i'm like yeah that's an absurd thing to say and i'm like I'm like, why? It's great. I love it. It's fantastic. Yeah. I love living there. I, I think it's a great place to raise a family, blah, blah, blah. But like, so because of that, we kind of have a chip on our shoulder, I think yeah. a little bit, and we're pretty chesty. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that like homage or like all those t-shirt companies up in Cleveland that make so much money by putting a script Ohio on a t-shirt or put Cleveland right. or against, Ohio the, world, against or the world, stuff like Ohio that. against yeah. the world, all that stuff. Like all of that is kind of like, yeah, I'm from Ohio. You got a problem with it? So right. football represents that almost perfectly. Yeah. 
Because then you can like act out those aggressions and you can yes. say like, well, you know what? You can crap all over the Cuyahoga River if you want to. Right. You can make fun of the West Bell. But it, we just kicked your ass in football. So shut up. Wait till you see like, those silver bullets. Handle your – now how do you like us? Exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, this next one's from Scott. He says, since it's full-on in draft season, you just had a quick question about uh, Ohio State prospects in the last 30 years or so. If we had to do a top five pick, what would be our top five picks – uh, in the hypothetical Buckeye NFL draft in the past 30 years or so. Jeez. Talk about that's hard. That's on. hard. And I, I know, I know. I'm looking for a pen. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's see. I would go just off the top. I'm going to leave somebody out. I hate doing stuff like this on the spot without any previous knowledge. But we'll I know, just, we'll just run recklessly. It's not your fault. That's the way we do this segment. We always do it this way where uncle Bo yeah. doesn't get any preview. All right. Give me um, in no particular order, Ezekiel Elliott, Okay. Orlando Pace. Yep. Chris Carter. Okay. Um, now I'm just trying to weigh out. All right. So I got a receiver. I got a running back. I got a tackle. Um, it's Ohio State. Got to have a linebacker. Uh, give me, uh, give me Laurinaitis because he's my guy. Rams all time right. leading tackler. Um, now it'd be nice if I had, I guess, Haskins. Okay. I guess I'm more like building a team than I am picking the best guys from Ohio State to be so you're not pros. doing best available you're trying to get you're trying to get your team to yeah get I guess I'm kind of building a team because to not have like Antoine Winfield or Malcolm Jenkins or see that's what I was about to say though man. like I don't know Joey how else. Yeah, I would, yeah I would probably go you know I would probably go uh, like Winfield Pace Bosa Zeke and then you get a skill position guy and there's a trillion dudes you can choose from um God, that yeah, it's, a, hard. it's a really tough. You almost need like the specifics of what you're asking for. That's true. Like what? Now, and yeah. how about that? That's the other thing. We can maybe talk about this at a later date. Maybe when the NFL draft actually rolls around. But if you're trying to, uh, you know, if you're trying to build for like the Browns at their lowest point, or or like you pick yeah. a year for the Browns and like which would be your top five Ohio State prospect to turn them around. I think that would be interesting. Um, Yes. There's some, there's a lot of good choices, and but the, what I will say is, no matter what list you come up with, Orlando Pace is going to be in there, and I, you know, to me, he's one of the more underrated, like historically Ohio State players, just because he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the stats in a video age, a uh, streaming age, and I, I just feel like he gets overlooked sometimes when we put together highlight reels and stuff like that. So I think the I'm problem is he would. Yeah, Orlando Pace was properly rated when he was here. He finished top three right. in the Heisman. They sure. basically created a stat. He created a stat, the pancake block. I mean, he created mm-hmm. it. That's nuts. So he was properly rated when he was here. Um, but be, I think because that many of those players in the 90s all get lumped into Coop, hashtag can't beat Michigan, like they're almost all just – it's almost like the, the whole group of them. Like we remember their greatness individually – but it's almost like that whole era we just want to like erase from our memory because of the Michigan record. I think right. it's, I think it really is held against all of them, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I would agree with that, which is, you're right, it's super unfortunate. Uh, this one's from Alvin. He just wants to know, uh, how much zone read are we going to try to run next year? Is you know is Ryan Day letting Justin Fields do, that, do his thing, or are we going to have a, more of a Dwayne Haskins kind of situation? I think it'll be far more zone read than you had last year. I think it'll be much more similar to a JT Barrett offense, especially um, one thing about young quarterbacks when you play them early, especially if they're kids who can run like fields can run. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, spe- the easiest thing they can do to make an impact is to run. And so I think you're going to get used to, I don't think it's going to be like, you know, fourth and, you know, third and two run it up the middle, but I think you're going to see Justin Fields run for a lot of yards next year. I think I think you're gonna see him roll out of the pocket a lot. I, I think that's you know it's it's just gonna, I don't know that you're necessarily gonna see these zone read type things, but I think you're gonna see a lot of play action and, and just basically see if you can get him on the edge and just we'll, we'll let him run, you know. And and that's and that I think that's a, that can be effective as well. I just think that Ryan Day might also be wary about getting the dude hurt and maybe not as it, you're not gonna see him run twenty times. <laughs> I don't really I don't not see the same kind of like JT Barrett style. He's gonna run. I, Johnny, I think he's going to run a lot more, a lot more than people think. I think if you're, I'll just tell you this. If you think that Justin Fields is going to play quarterback the way, at least next year, the way that Dwayne Haskins played quarterback this year or even 80% of it, I think you're, you'll be sorely mistaken. I think it'll, he's going, I wouldn't be surprised if he ran for 800 yards. 
seven, eight hundred okay. yards. Like I no, think he's I, going to, to see how that plays that's out. Why I think, think that's going to go. I think either one of us could be right on that. I think you could see him play it really close to the vest and then try to kind of do like a Dwayne 2.0, or you can see what you're saying. I, I, you know, it's just, I mean, Justin Fields is obviously a completely different kind of player and I think they're going to want to maximize his talents. And it, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see how, you know, which route they decide to go. Um, it might, be right, at, it might not be at a choice. Might be necessary. No, that's absolutely true. That is absolutely <laughs> true. Right. Um, all right, this last one's from Jake. He basically, simple question, and I'm going to frame it in a, a way here that I think, uh, you know, will make it a little more different, I guess. But he's basically saying he's not an Ohio State grad. He's from Northern Ohio. He's coming down to campus for a recruiting conference. He's a college cross-country coach, probably making $250,000. Um, <laughs> he just wants to know what recommendations we have for must-visit restaurants on or near campus. I'm going to twist this up and say, uh, can Jeez. we do so many of them disappear? Do, oh, I want to twist this up. Can we do one breakfast, one lunch and one dinner spot? Yeah, sure. I'll so give you me, an give me breakfast because I don't, the only place that I recommend for breakfast, um, that I, I, I always eat breakfast at home. So the only place that I eat breakfast and I, again, I did not attend Ohio state. So I don't have any campus places for sure. you is Hella's in Dublin. That, that's, okay. I mean, I used right to go there every once in a while with Earl back in the day uh, with Dom and Earl. So I, hell is in Dublin is where I would go for breakfast. That would be my choice, hey, but that's not near for, campus, obviously. Yeah. Well, for me, for breakfast is down in the shore, North, which is campus ish. Uh, I would say Tossie is a really nice place to hit up. Um, one time I found a, like a piece of an egg whisk and my eggs, yeah. <laughs> but other than that, it's other smooth that. sailing. And it's really good. So I, I Tossie is a nice place to go. Parking's a little dicey, but honestly, you head on down there. They got some really good uh, breakfast and brunch stuff. Uh, what's your lunch go-to? Um, my lunch go-to would be, um, why am I blanking on this place? I get the same thing there every time um, that I go. Um, it's my, the Buddha Bowl. What's that place called? Right? It's in the Where, short uh, north. Uh, I'm blanking too. I don't know. It's everything there's it's everything's ultra healthy. Um, let me do a quick piece. Someone is screaming at the at their stream right now, trying to <laughs> North Star, North Star, North Star. Oh, North yeah, North Star. Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. North yeah. Star. Yeah, yeah North Star. So I got a North Star for the Buddha Bowl would be my lunch choice. If I had one North lunch Star, eating Columbus. North Star I'm getting older. Good, I gotta eat healthy lunch choice. Yeah, it, and it's best, I would say best uh like black bean burger in Columbus. Really, really, really Delicious. good. Yep, it's amazing, yep. and like and then people like turn up their nose. At it. Yeah, just try it. Just try it. It's it's really good. How do why would anybody uh, turn me, their nose up at that? Because because people are like, oh, it's not real food. It's not real bread. Like it's, it's it actually it's is delicious. real food. Right, exactly. That's <laughs> the what definition I'm saying. of real food. It is that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, okay, so here's the thing. I go to North Market a lot, like a lot, um, and I every time I go down there, I. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get something different. I want to try I always go to Hubert's Polish Kitchen every single freaking time, and I can't stop myself. And I always get, like, pierogies, and I get, like, their schnitzel kind of stuff, like their their, their breaded chicken, and I get, like, the, the spicy stew on top of it. And it is yeah. one of the best things I've ever had in my entire life. If you haven't been down there, you got to go to Hubert's Polish Kitchen. It's one of my absolute favorite places to go for lunch. I just I can't stop myself. It is It's so freaking good. I love it. <laughs> what's your what's your nighttime place right. to go? Where's, where's your favorite? If you're going big baller, uh, my favorite big baller place in Columbus is uh, the just opened Jeff Ruby's. Um, okay, it's just it's like old, like you feel like Sinatra walking into the place. I mean, it's just <laughs> the coolest damn thing. Um, I always think like CNBC, like the Hyde Park on the Cap, is great. CNBC, uh, that's good people watching. One of my favorite meals in Columbus, but I think it's only on a Tuesdays is at third and Hollywood. They have a, a marinated hanger steak that they put out on, on Tuesdays, which is absolutely fantastic. And third and Hollywood's good period. Um, but those would be the places I would go for that. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, God, there's so many, there are so many places that I think people can, can head out. The Sycamore, I, Sycamore is one of my favorite places. To go. I love the Sycamore. If I'm like going big baller too, I mean, that's relatively big baller for me. I really like the there. It's good. It's really good. I mean, they 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 changed their menu a lot, but I I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, last time I was there, it was really good. There's a, 
I can't remember that. There's a, it's kind of a moderately priced place. They have really, really good sauce. And I can't remember. It's not, um, it's not the really big one. It's not, uh, shoot, I'm losing track of my brain. But point is, uh, Sycamore would be my spot. If I can remember the other place, I'll put it in the link on the, uh, on the podcast. But yeah, it's, okay. you know, I like, I like the German place. I like the German village places. I like the, you know, the kind of the hole in the wall areas that they got back there. There's, it's a lot of good oh. stuff. So. Yeah, like Barcelona and Lindy's and James. Oh, G. Barcelona is incredible. Yeah, all of those yeah. in the in in German Village are awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely recommend going down there. All right, yeah. so that's asking us anything. Please keep sending those in, and, and we'll keep answering them. Thanks, guys. All right, very good. We got like spring football next time we talk. I know it's coming. Away up. we go. Away we go. We got spring football, my friend. Lots to look forward to. Uh, two big basketball games to discuss as well. I have a better idea where Chris Holtman's team is. By the time we get to next week as well, we hope you'll be along for the ride. Until next week, my friend. Yep, talk to you next week.